Welcome. Welcome, 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 my friends, to another episode of the Mind Body Music Podcast. This is Maddie Moon. I am your host because I like to interview people. And today we're interviewing, I'm interviewing Denise Duffield Thomas, who is my obsession because I love changing my mindset around money because who doesn't love to face their fears when it comes to topics like money? Anyone? Bueller? Me. I do. So I've been following Denise's work. She is known as Lucky Bitch. That's what she goes by. So if you have young ears around and you don't like that word, know that we say it a few times on this episode. But Denise Duffield Thomas is the money mindset mentor for the new wave of online female entrepreneurs. Her best-selling books, Lucky Bitch and Get Rich, Lucky Bitch, give a fresh and funny roadmap to create an outrageously successful life and business. Denise helps women release their fear of money, set premium prices for their services, and take back control over their finances. She is an award-winning speaker, author, and entrepreneur who helps women transform their economy class money mindset into a first life class. You can find her work at luckybitch.com. And the reason why she is named Lucky Bitch, and that's her business, is because after she started to accumulate a lot more money in her life, because she changed her mindset around money and she started to learn the art of manifestation and believing in your own self-worth when it comes to finances, people would say you're such a lucky bitch, which I think is funny because I've never even heard that before. But that's what she would get all the time. So she decided to create a business called that, which is perfect because that's exactly what people think. But instead, there was a lot of stuff that went behind the scenes in her creating this, like she says, first class lifestyle instead of economy class So I think this episode might bring out some darkness slash demons in people, some inner critics, some comments, some judgments. So I invite you to be curious when those arise. I invite you to be open to this episode without feeling anger towards yourself or too much discomfort. It is okay if you have discomfort come up because this is a topic that is going to bring you out of your comfort zone, challenge some beliefs, and maybe look at stories that you haven't looked at, if ever. And know that every moment of discomfort that you sit in, you're working towards finding that peace within yourself with money. And I think that's a goal everyone should have, especially for this year, to work towards is to find that part of themselves that believes that money is abundant and is all around and it's not scarce, and to... Um, undo those mindset, those beliefs that you have around money. If you grew up with some rich people in your life that were mean and you realize you have correlations of money as for mean people or for selfish people, it's time to unravel those. It's time to come face to face with those. And there's no better woman to help you do that than Denise, which is why I have her on the show today. So before we head on over, here's the review of the week. And this comes from Coach Husker Girl. And she says, this podcast is fabulous with five stars. I'm a former figure girl and totally relate to everything Maddie says. I currently struggle with body image and food and I'm trying to get myself to a better balanced place. Maddie and her guests really make me think and I find this podcast very helpful. Thanks Maddie. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much coach Husker girl. I appreciate your kind words, your comments and your review. It means the world to me. The next piece of news I want to share is that I just wrapped up more than this which was a two-day retreat 
that I co-hosted with Amanda Duran, another life coach who is more in the realm of uh, fitness freedom and moving your body with liberation. And we co-led this retreat with 11 women from around the world who came together, took a leap of faith, had no idea it was in store. And it serendipitously led to the most beautiful realizations, limiting belief breakdowns and stepping into their their true selves and it was such a blessing and an honor to be able to lead I left feeling revived and empowered and I know Amanda sure did but more than anything I just feel so grateful right now for the for being a woman honestly for being a woman and for having the beautiful opportunity to share my heart openly with other women and to come together with our struggles and our strengths and our triumphs and share the things that we're working through It was awesome to be able to watch how many women came forward and said, this is what I'm going through in my life right now and see how many other women in that same room said, me too. So that was incredible and I'm so blessed to have had that experience and I'm beyond delighted now to say that it's going to happen again. And this time I am going to be leading a retreat at the Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health in Massachusetts. It's going to be a beautiful time in the spring, the early spring. So if you're someone who is tired of waking up every morning, questioning, doubting, wondering, controlling, filled with anxiety, scared that you're never going to feel confident in your skin, confident with your voice, confident in your body, confident in your decisions. If you're a woman who is longing and craving for your femininity in this hyper-masculine world, if you're a woman who wants to regain your independence, if you feel like you've lost it in a relationship or you've lost it in your voice, you're afraid to listen to yourself, your own intuition, then this is the retreat for you. It's going to be all-inclusive, so no stress. Just come, bring a bag, and enjoy yourself. I'm so excited to lead this with a, a handful of women. Again, it'll be a small group, but if you feel you're one of the women that is destined to be at this five-day retreat where you will have your meals provided. We will do dancing. We will do yoga. We will do art and workshopping. Tons of soul sister bonding. That is my favorite part of all of this. If you're ready for that and you think around May 14th to 18th, you'll be free and you'll be ready for a total life transformation guided by yours truly. Then please go to the show notes for this and click the button that says apply now for the confidence revival retreat. Remember, I'm only taking a handful of women and I would love to have you there and you be one of them so if you have any questions at all feel free to email me and I am excited to hear from those of you who are even a a little bit interested even the least bit interested let me know and we'll see what we can what we can come up with and if it's a good fit for you and the next piece of news the last piece of news before we head on over is that I am going to be, as you know, I've said this a few times, I'm going to be going to Europe next week and I am taking applications for my six-month coaching program. So if you've been craving to work with me, if you want to dive in way deeper with me on your side and learn how to give up control, live a life without anxiety, step into your true self, your confident self, and just have someone that you can rely on that you know is always there for you. Apply for my coaching program. I have those three spots and they probably will fill up quickly. So please apply, even if you are just a little bit interested and I would love to give you some more information. And that can be found on the show notes for this episode with Denise Duffield Thomas or by just going to my website and clicking on the coaching tab, you can apply there. And that is all I have to share today. So without further ado, let's go head on over. 
You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life-altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host, Maddie Moon. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I am here with Denise Duffield Thomas, and it's funny because I follow... I'm going to use the word obsessively. I follow a few people obsessively at a time, and I have had about two or three people that I've just been really following recently. They've been speaking my language. I've been reading their books. I've just been really diving deep into their messages, their content. And Denise is one of those beautiful souls. So I'm so excited to get her on the show for anyone who has been living underneath a rock and has not heard about her message, you are about to be in a huge treat. And I'm so excited to introduce to you her work, her books, her knowledge. And Denise, I just have to say, first of all, thank you for coming on the show, but also thank you for the wonderful work that you're doing in the world and helping so many people get rid of these money blocks and help grow themselves and make businesses and travel the world and just live very rich lives. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for for reading my stuff. And, you know, it's funny. I do it for me. I, I think I do my business very selfishly. I I do everything because I like it, and the fact that people read it and share it is cherry on the top for me. But, you know, I think that that's the best, the best way to do it. And Elizabeth Gilbert writes about that in Big Magic, talking about, like, do it for you. Don't do it really to help people or – save the world or all this, do it because you love it, because you're keeping your passion pure for that reason. And whether or not you like something, it's not based off of other people's reaction to it. You like it because you like it, not because other people say, yes, I approve or no, I criticize. Even to make money, and that's ironic, right, coming from someone who teaches about how to be better with money, but don't do stuff for the money either. And I think people get to a point where you just go, hey, money is money. It's just a tool. It doesn't make me a better person. It doesn't make me a worse person. So, like, why don't I just make some more of it, like, without being triggered by it? And um, I love I loved her take on that, too. Yes, it's beautiful. So the first thing that we do on the show is let the guests dive into their own background and their story. So can you please let us all hear the juicy goodness of how you got to where you are today? So I am Australian, for those of you who can probably hear that from my accent, and I grew up in a, a small beach town, kind of if anyone's ever watched the Australian show Home and Away, uh, it's like a soap opera, but on the beach, and that's kind of how I grew up, and I didn't have any business role models, but for some for some weird reason, I just always wanted to be in business for myself, and it was just such a burning desire inside me, and 
unfortunately, I couldn't make any money from any of my ideas. Even from my very first business when I was eight years old, I made bracelets out of fluorescent wetsuit material because it was the 80s, (laughs) of course. And I drove around on my bike and I, I sold them and and then I, I kept on doing other things too. I remember selling chocolates for my dance school and, and I you know, of course I didn't make any money out of that, went to my dance school. But even then when I got into my twenties and I started doing little businesses, I couldn't make any money from those either. And I really realize now, um, first of all, I loved business for the sake of business and I still do, right? But it wasn't until my late twenties I was just like, What is going on? I have walked on fire with Tony Robbins. I have read a million freaking books about abundance. I have like, I've got an abundance freaking candle. You know, I'm so mentally in this right place for money. What's going on and why can't I make money? And so I started exploring this concept of money blocks and money challenges and um, money stories, my old money beliefs. And actually everything I'd ever read about personal development, I related to money and um, at the time, I was a life coach, and I was like, oh, why don't I just started talking about this money stuff to my life coaching clients? And after a couple of years, I just realized, you know what, even though I reject the calling of being the money girl, and I don't want to be the money girl, I might just slowly step into this space and see what happens. And I was actually kind of like, universe, I don't want to be the money girl, but if you want me to, you have to make it really freaking easy for me to step into this role. And um, so, yeah, probably about three, four years ago, I just went, okay, I'm all in. Universe, I'm all in with money. That's totally fine. And and that's what I do now. I help women change the way they think, feel, and act around around money. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not an accountant. I just help you change the way you, you feel about money in your life. And the good news about that is when you do change the way you think, feel, and act around your money, you generally attract more of it. You keep more of it. And you also tend to be able to have more fun with money too as a, as a very nice side effect. So I love, I love, love, love that you do this. It's so needed in the world. And personally, this is something that I've, I think one of the reasons why I've been so attracted to your message is because I've recently uncovered my own money blocks and did a lot of work on it. That was around August. I started doing a lot of visualization, a lot of mantra writing, a lot of just like saying out loud new beliefs and visualizing, and it was really good. And and um, for, a, for for after I did that, I doubled, I tripled my income. I like did a lot oh, wow. of things. Yeah, it was very nice. I did a lot of things. I but you know, with that said, I I pushed myself a lot to get more clients, do X, Y, Z, create a course. Like I did all of this stuff to go along with it, um, which was great. But I will say that recently, I, I think with the winter and with just the feeling of wanting to go introverted and hibernate after, you know, a really heavy year of work, 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 I've wanted to take a break from all of it, from reading personal development books to watching documentaries to uh, doing Facebook lives and all those things. I was just going crazy morning till night. And for about a month and a half, I've really just stopped. I've been taking naps. I've been resting. And with that said, I've taken a break from doing like daily, I don't know how you would say it, money work, daily money work of just money work. Yeah. yeah, Looking at my income and like feeling the the gratitude for the money and, and doing all those different things. What do you think about that for if you take a break? Is that acceptable? Is that okay? Or what can you expect if you're to take a break? How do you get back into it? How do you personally do that? 
Well, this is a great question because I'm an introvert as well and I totally get what you're saying that sometimes you just can't face the world. (laughs) You just can't face it. You're like, that Mm -hmm. is too much hard work. And you might be surprised to hear that I actually haven't read a lot of books this year around business and I had a baby um, seven months ago and I just was not in the space of being reading about business and money um, probably for the first time in a long time. So what I suggest then is – I mean, personal development is like having a daily shower, right? You absolutely do need to do something daily because otherwise the sediment starts to creep in and, you know, it gets a bit muddied. But that doesn't mean you have to be gung-ho about it 24-7. So I like to put in as many automatic, um, I call them anchors, as as much as possible. So I don't float away down the stream away from my money work, Right. And so that kind of catches you and keeps you in that good space, even when you don't feel like doing it actively, you do it passively. So for me, that could be I have lots of pop-up reminders on my phone. I just use my calendar um, in, on my iPhone and it will pop up and say, congratulations, you know, you've just sold a million books or, um, you know, congratulations, you've hit your money goal or whatever it is. My passwords are my money, my money goals for the year. Um, my phone screen is a picture of me outside this amazing big piece of land that I just wanted to buy, which actually we close on, I think today or tomorrow. Um, and that's been on my phone screen for four months, right? So those little things that I call positive anchors are automatic. So they, they work even when you don't feel like working and they don't feel like work, right? So think about what's on your screensaver on your computer, what's on your phone screen, Think of the things that are around you, like maybe you have a dream board in your office. Uh, maybe, you know, you change your passwords. Maybe you have some post-it notes around. So even when you don't feel like it, it's all those messages are still going into your subconscious, um, but you don't have to, like, be like, all right, today I'm going to get up and do my mantras. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm a big – I'm just really lazy, to be honest. But it also means that when you just don't feel like it, you don't kind of go back to, to square one. The good news is when you do all that work and you layer them all in as well and you do the money work, like the deep money work um, that you've probably started to do about changing your beliefs, you, you can't ever go back to where you were because it becomes part of who you are. It becomes your new foundation. So that's why the deep stuff is so important. If you just do the superficial like, I'm just going to do mantras and that's it and I don't want to look at you know my money stuff. I don't want to look at my childhood. It's not relevant. Well, then, yeah, you will go back to step one. So you want to get to a space that even if you do fall back a bit, it's it's not a big deal because you have that muscle memory. Yes, I love those. Those are so good because when I first started doing this money work, it was really intense. It was my coach at the time had me doing basically an hour and a half collectively. If you if you look at the morning work and the night work together, it was about an hour and a half of mantra writing and listening to meditations. And I was just like a lot. And I think after a while, like I could keep that up for so long, but, um, not forever. And I needed to find ways like what you're talking about to anchor that in where like I, what I do is I do the passwords. I have a password that I put in. That's, um, whatever goal I'm, I'm working on. And I have the pop up on my phone and what I haven't been doing. I do have a visualization, like a visual, a vision board on my, Uh, mirror, but I don't have the screensaver. So I'll try that. And I also think it's important to change them 
And like if you're if you're if you've been reaching this goal for a while, push yourself to the next goal and make sure that you update all those different things so you don't stay stagnant with the same goal. Because I think now that Absolutely. I think about it, I've had the same password for a while now. I'm like, okay, well I've been reaching that goal, so I should probably change that one. Update it. Absolutely. Yeah. But lots of things can be positive anchors. Having fresh sheets can be a positive anchor where you just go, oh, my God, I'm so abundant. But it's not like having to sit down and get your gratitude journal out, which I don't know where even where mine is at the moment. <laughs> and, like, it's, you know, you're having to do that active thing. But if you just do those little things, sometimes when I'm in the shower, I'll just get my bar of soap and I'll write on my shower screen what my goal is, mm. you know, or I'll listen to music when I'm in the shower just to get myself in a positive mood. So not everything has to be like laser focused on your goal. Sometimes it's just about giving yourself a boost and that could be wearing nice underwear. Oh yeah. Putting some makeup on that's still going to get you into a positive vibe. Um, without having to like chant five hours a day or yeah. Um, yeah. Do that sort of stuff, which is cool. Anyway, if you've got time and you want to chant five hours a day, do it, go for it. But you find these little in between spaces. And, and this is the thing too. If you're, if you don't have a massive, big, urgent goal at the moment, it's kind of okay to just go on autopilot for a while. But then you have to be really clear and honest with yourself. If you are looking for something to manifest something really big, like this house that we just bought, then that's what it takes is for you to do all of those things all of the time and be really active in it. But in between, you can't live like that all the time, right? So in between, it's okay to coast a little bit as long as those automatic things are carrying you. Well, I have a, I have a, this leads me into my next question. When I first started doing this, one of the, one of the, the best ways to just, wow. Okay. One of the best ways to describe what I was doing is faking it till I made it. The fake it till you make it thing. Like I didn't really believe that money was abundant, but I kept telling myself that and eventually I did believe it. And then eventually it happened. So I have some clients I've been working on this with and some of them carry stories around money like money is for mean people money is for grown-ups money is for uh selfish people and as we work on these things i do recommend to go throughout life acting as if you have what it is that you want and i have uh, one client in particular who asked me a good question that i thought would be great to ask you your perspective on but she said how do you balance faking it till you make it like faking like going to um in her case she went to an event that she really didn't want to go to but she went to it to uh have a good time and to be present and to just have the kind of energy that uh, a happy person that goes to parties would have and it didn't really mm -hmm. turn out according to plan the way she wanted it and so then the, where it come, where the whole acting as if comes into play, how do you act as if while still being true to yourself if something doesn't quite feel right, still being true to you? Oh, hold on. Let me give you a different example I think is actually much better. Oh, no, I think I, I think I know what you're saying. Okay. I think there's two parts, right? Okay. So the first part is like when people go into affirmations and they're like, I am rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. And sometimes there can be a little desperate energy around that because you don't really believe it. So yes, those yeah. things can work great as a pattern interrupter, you know, like to interrupt some negative thought patterns. But what's even more useful if you want to dig into that a little bit deeper is to go, okay, before I do that, or maybe at the same time as I do those things, let's work out why I'm not rich and some of those, 
negative beliefs I have and bring them to the surface because people are always afraid to do that because they think, oh, but I'll manifest it if I think the dirty thoughts. And it's like the dirty thoughts, you know what I mean, the negative thoughts around money. And I'm like, but you already think them. Mm -hmm. So you've got to bring them to the surface. Why aren't you allowed to be rich? And then people start to go, well, because I didn't come from the right family or because of X, Y, Z. And when you get people to give you as many excuses as possible, you start to think hear really random ones. So people might go, well, I'm too short. Like even random ones like that. And I remember I had that one too. I'm five foot four. I'm perfectly average height, right? But I remember had it, having a friend who was really tall and she would say something like, well, you know, short people are just not successful. Oh, it's oh. been proven. <laughs> You know, and so that was an excuse of mine. And then I found out that Madonna was five foot four. But, um, but then that's just one example, right? But people have their excuses. And so just saying, I am rich, I am rich ignores the fact that you, that's really valuable information for you to bring up clear, like work on, uh, work out why, where it came from, the origin stories, all that kind of stuff. So that's the first part around the fake it till you make it is the, the languaging around it. The second part, the example of the lady going to the party, is often when you have money blocks, you have no discernment around stuff. You have never given yourself choices before, usually. So sometimes you actually don't know what you really like. You just have this vague idea of, when I'm successful, I will probably do this thing. When I am rich, I will probably do that thing or look like that or wear this thing. And so it almost is a barrier because really it's you don't believe that you can be rich. You only believe that you could be rich in a completely alternate universe where you're a completely different person with different likes, dislikes, and whatever. So when you embrace the fact that you can be wealthy and an introvert and hate parties or wealthy and environmentally conscious and environmentally uh, you know, responsible or rich and casual or rich and blah, 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 then you give yourself permission for you to actually be rich. So I think with that example of, of you know, oh, well, I thought I would do this thing that a re- wealthy version of me would do and I didn't like it, where people will then make the mistake instead of going, oh, well, that's actually not what I like. That's good information. How about I try this? Instead, they start to internalize it and go, well, I knew I wasn't meant to be successful because I couldn't pass this test or, you know, or I, you know, I went and bought a fancy handbag and actually it made me feel like crap well obviously I'm not meant to be rich instead of just going oh no I don't like that oh okay that's interesting why don't I try this because we have no idea how to do that we've never been taught that we can choose often we've been told as a kid like you get what you're given and you'll be happy for it we feel incredibly guiltful guilty or ungrateful and we just continue to perpetuate the story that you know we're not allowed to have nice things or we're not allowed to be rich or whatever. So that's my philosophy on the acting as if. But I think the really powerful thing too is when you can go and try out stuff. You know, you might think, oh, I want to live in a mansion. And you don't know until you go and have a look at a mansion, like go to an open house. And then you go, oh, actually, maybe I like a tiny house. Okay. And you have to actually put yourself in that in that space and and see and try it out and give yourself permission to want what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I think another part is to not become attached to the outcome. 
Like if you go into it and you're like, okay, this is what it's going to be like. And then it doesn't go like that. And then you're pretty much setting yourself up for failure already because you only have this one way that it is supposed to work. And in your mind, what that one way is success and the other way looks like failure when it's not really failure. Those are made up standards. So you go into it and you say, I don't know how this is going to turn out. We'll see. And then when it doesn't go according to plan, you're like, okay, well, that was interesting. What, what can I learn now? Because no experience is a wasted experience. If you can look back at it and see what you learned, what information did it give you about yourself or what information did it give you about your beliefs or the situation or the, the, the company you're working for or whatever it may be and, and see how you can use that for yourself moving forward. Absolutely. But where women especially get blocked is that we make up stories about it and we think it's a sign from the universe that we're not meant to be successful and blah, 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 oh, blah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Talk about that. And it then. just spirals. Yeah. Well, I, I see this a lot, right? Cause in the, in my money boot camp, we talk about upgrades and I, we talk about finding these little incremental upgrades in your life where you don't have to improve everything all at once. You just find something that particularly makes you feel poor. And for a lot of women, they're like, oh, my God, I've got this, like, broken kettle. And every time I use it, I have to, like, hold the button down manually. You know, like, little things like that in your life make you poor. And so I start to say to people, okay, let's start making these upgrades. And sometimes people make a wrong, quote, unquote, upgrade. And they go, well, you know, Denise, I tried that. And I actually, you know, I... I bought an expensive blah and I hated it. And then I know that they're making that mean that they're not meant to be successful. I know that they're making it mean that, well, being rich is not all it's cracked up to be. I'd rather just be poor and happy and, you know, happy. And it's really interesting that we do that instead of, as you said, what's the lesson here? What can I, what can I do? Okay. Maybe that's the wrong upgrade for me. And even so when that happens, I say, okay, great. Go return it to the store. And they go, oh, I can't do that. And I'm like, yeah, you can. That's part of the lesson is is just because you think you've manifested something or you asked for something, you don't have to keep it anymore. You're not a kid. You know, you didn't get a shitty present for Christmas and you have to smile and pretend you like it. You're an adult now. You can actually t- take it back to the store and say, this isn't what I wanted. And you know what? We went out for dinner last night. We've got all my in-laws here. And we all ordered our dinner. And my mother-in-law, um, her steak was really cold. And she's like, oh, I don't want to make a fuss. Oh, but it's cold. And I said, yeah, let's make a fuss. So the guy came over and he goes, is everything all right here? You know how waiters do. Is everything okay? And we all <laughs> sat there in this uncomfortable silence, right? And we're like, oh. And I said, my mother-in-law's steak's cold. And he goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me take that back. She goes, oh, I don't want to make a fuss. And, you know, he took it. He said, look, it's going to be five minutes and I'll bring you a hot steak. And I said to her, I said, you know what? I, I know you don't want to make a fuss, but Willow is watching. You know, she's two and a half. I want her to see that it's just not a big deal to ask for what you want. And if it's not the right thing, it's completely not a big deal just to say, hey, like, and not be triggered by it, just to say, hey, my steak's cold. Do you mind bringing me another one? The waiter didn't care. It's not like he's not like, oh, what a bitch, you know, like mm-hmm. what a horrible person. He's just like, oh, that's no big deal. And that's where I want us to get to where we just go, hey, not a big deal. And you, even everyone listening, you might think too, oh, well, it's all right for Denise. She's, she's got money. Her life is perfect. No, it's not. It's just that I choose not to be triggered by stuff anymore. That's where you're going to get to. It's not that money solves your money blocks or money makes your life perfect. But where you want to get to is a place where you feel untriggered by money 
You know, you feel triggered by money even if you're having, say, a lean month or you're equally untriggered if you make a lot of money because people get really funny even when they make money, right? I don't know if you've experienced that, Madeline, where you have a really good month and it actually triggers you more than the months where you're leaner. Mm. Yeah, I think I've had that, not recently, but I think I have had that before where it's just like, this is a one-time thing, I better hoard it and hold on to it and blah, blah, blah. Like, I used to have the hoarding thing where I would just hoard, hoard, hoard money. It's not it's not the same as saving. It's more of the fear of spending. And yeah. I have worked on that for the past few months, and I realize whenever that thought comes back up again, like a little bit recently with the holidays, and I know you did a video about how to not get triggered during the holidays with money, and it was interesting because I felt a little bit of that old stagnant energy of like you're spending on too much you're spending on on this and on this and on this and like you're not getting uh you're not creating any new courses or products you better hold back blah 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 and then i'm like no i'm gonna be taken care of i know i am i i know that money is just money it's not good or bad and it's gonna be flowing and it has to flow out to flow back in that's that little simple belief flow it needs to flow out to flow back in has helped me particularly with that so much Mm, yeah and it is a tricky time of year you know even for people who are just unused to taking time off you know like I know I did this myself we launched something at the start of December and I was gonna do a a sale this week as well Uh, and I just went oh my god it's okay to have a couple of weeks off (laughs) you know it's all right to have a rest you don't have to you know, spend every week of the year working. You're allowed to take time off. And so, yeah, it's interesting to see how times like this, either the launch times or holiday times, really bring up your money blocks again. Mm-hmm. So if there's someone out there listening to this episode, which I know there are many people probably that are going to relate to this, that have had one thing after another, after another, after another, and just nothing is going right. They quote, well, they can't quote afford anything. They live with their parents. They are, uh, their brains are scrambled. They can't seem to catch a break, right? If they feel mm-hmm. like they're so down deep and they can't get up, they're suffocating. What would be one of the first things you would recommend that they do after uncovering these money blocks and like yeah. mentally? Yeah, well, I mean, I was there. I spent most of my 20s in that space for sure. And I think you do have to surrender a little bit to it, right? Because it's the same if you had a friend who had a bad relationship after bad relationship after bad relationship. And it depends on how good a friend you were to it. At some point, you just say, honey, it's not them. It's you. (laughs) Like, this is the recurring thing, and unless you deal with some of that stuff, you're gonna your next boyfriend's gonna be the same, right? So it's kind of the same with money. You have to kind of go, you know what? This isn't the economy. This isn't my parents. This isn't blah blah blah. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe your parents did give you your, your money blocks. Um, but I see a lot of people trying to blame everyone else instead of just going, you know what? This is me, and I'm gonna feel empowered by that rather than suffocated by that. And only I can change my behavior. Only I can uh, fix this. Only I can give myself permission for something different. So that's the first thing is just to surrender to it. And then be curious, right? Be curious and think, what's the most recurring, most painful problem that you're dealing with right now? And then 
what's the origin story? Like, where did that come from? And give yourself permission, I think, to be compassionate towards yourself about it instead of just blaming other people. But be compassionate and just go, oh, my God, no wonder I can't receive money for what I do because, you know, there's this thing in my family that entrepreneurs are shady and, of course, I don't want to go against my family. So have some compassion, get really curious about where those origin stories came from. And then that gives you the information usually to, to kind of clear it or to watch out for those, for those patterns. But I, I see a lot of women, um, internalizing that stuff and really using those situations to almost, um, prove that they're not worthy of money. But when you flip that to curiosity, then you start to go, wow, this is interesting. No wonder. And I could, I really remember the time where I, I did flip that and I was probably about 28. Um, and I started flipping into curiosity and I started to, to, um, role play and imagine myself talking about those lessons in a book or on stage or to Oprah. And I, and it flipped it, right? Instead of going, Oh, I feel bad because of the XYZ. I was like, I would drive in my shitty car and I would, I would talk about it. Oh, you know, I, once I had this problem and this problem, but I stuck with it and I fixed it, you know, and I, I would just make it up. But flipping it to curiosity gives you so much empowerment because then you own your story, you know, and you and you can start to almost see it from the future as if it's it's past and you've and you fixed it. Mm, so good. I love that. I love both of those pieces of advice. And I know that's gonna that's something that I personally do in my life a lot, especially the curiosity factor, but surrendering as well, because that was a, a huge struggle in my life. And the beauty within surrendering, it's just a gift, I think, that keeps on giving. Um, it, it is. And you know, what? I'm dealing with this at the moment, because I've got two young kids. And I want to go write my book, my third book, you know, like I'm frustrated and, and annoyed. And it's so similar to how I was around money. And the other day I just went, oh my God, I've got to surrender to the, like, almost to the drudgery of it. You know, like I've got to surrender to the fact that some parts are kind of crap and that's okay. Uh, so I even read a book called, it's called Buddhism for Mothers because <laughs> it was like, you just got to surrender and just be like, oh my God, I can see the beauty in this and this is teaching me stuff, some stuff. Even to the point I remember about money, I was thinking, I am so grateful I didn't grow up with money. You know, I had to flip it because I was thinking maybe I would have turned into like a real rich bitch you know and thank you universe for giving me that experience but it made me feel like and that's behind me now like thank you i don't need to continue this crappy experience to teach me this lesson i got it Mm -hmm. (laughs) i got it (laughs) stop Mm -hmm. sending me more stuff because like hey i'm I'm, I'm done i'm handing in my shovel i'm stop I'm, i'm not digging anymore yeah i love the way that you phrase that it reminds me of did you see Tony Robbins' documentary, I'm Not Your Guru? Not yet, but it's on my oh, holiday list. So powerful. I've watched it like three times already. But he talks about one thing. It's it's different, but he was speaking about parents. And if you're going to blame your parent for making you the way you are for all of the bad things that happened in your life, you also have to blame them for all of the amazing things, all the amazing parts about you. Because if you didn't have those hard struggles, 
you wouldn't be the person you are today. You wouldn't have all these amazing qualities you do have. So sure, blame them for all the bad crap, but blame them for all the good stuff too. <laughs> and I love the, yeah. I loved flipping that and thinking about that. And whoever, if I ever feel like I've been wronged or there's a bad breakup or I miss out on, I do a launch and it doesn't go according to plan. I think about how it's a teacher and what are all the good things I can blame, I can blame on it for. And it's a, it's a very powerful paradigm shift. So I appreciate that, especially with money. And that's definitely something for people to think about how they can relate, relate that to themselves. Well, on the money thing too, a lot of women see very normal parts of being in business, like very normal rites of passage, like your first hater, your first refund request. Instead of seeing those as just very normal stages along your entrepreneurial journey, they start to see them as, again, negative signs from the universe to say, hey, you're not meant to be doing this. And you have to flip that around and just go, oh my God, my first hater, I've ticked off that level. You know, oh, that's awesome. Uh, you know, my first refund request, this is awesome. Now I can, now that, now that's happened to me, you know, your first one star review on Amazon, all of those things are just milestones to get through. They're just little rites of passage and you can't get to the ultimate success without some of those little things. So if you just turn those around, flip those and celebrate them. And we do this in my money boot camp. Someone goes, Hey guys, I got my first hater. Please celebrate with me. And we're like, Oh my God, you did it. You've You've unlocked a new <laughs> a new level. Congratulations. Um, you have to reframe it, even if it's like, oh, my God, this is going to be the best chapter in my book. You know what? You know, like- <laughs> like, I have done that, and I've recommended that to listeners and clients before. And sometimes, sometimes I get people like, yeah, I love that idea. That's great. And then a few times I've had people be like, okay, well, that's not the real world, world Maddie, or that's not really the way we work. And it's almost... I, I have you ever had people say that to you? How do you respond? Because maybe it's not the traditional outlook, but that's why so many people have money issues. It's because we don't oh, have these yeah. mindsets. How do you communicate with people who just don't want to hear it? Yeah, well, first of all, you've got to be in a great um, community of women who are talking about that stuff honestly and openly, um, because otherwise, how are you supposed to know what's normal? You know, like even. T- even really p- practical things like conversion, sales conversions, right? People go, oh, my God, I put my first launch out and no one bought. And it's like, cool, how many people saw your sales page? I don't know. Well, then how do you know if it's a failure or not? You know, like <laughs> you, you might not have just gotten enough people for those conversions to tick over. So I think the message is people think that statistics don't apply to them somehow, and they do. It, you really can't beat statistics. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there are outliers occasionally, but I think just embrace the fact that you're normal. I think sometimes people want an excuse about why they're exceptional and why then, mm-hmm. you know, the laws don't actually apply yeah. to them. Um, and that's from a good and bad way. It's not always from a sense of entitlement. Sometimes it's just like, but I'm like really flawed. Well, that no, is, everyone is. That is <laughs> entitlement too. There's two types of entitlement. There's the like, I'm better and everyone else sucks. And then there's the, I, I suck and everyone else is better. Both of them yeah, are entitlement. It's, it's very fascinating the way that our, our brains can want to cling to one of these two identities sometimes. Well, absolutely. And when I get people like, but my money block's really, really unique and special. And it's like, yeah, it's really not. <laughs> um, but that's the problem, right? You think that the, the laws don't apply to you. Mm-hmm. So I think just, you know, there are statistical inevitabilities around things like refund requests, for example, unsubscribe rates, you know, all this stuff in business. It's just 
it's statistical and you can follow it and you'll see that I'm totally right or you can just believe me. No, people won't believe me. Say, for example, refund requests, right? When people get a refund, they totally internalize it and go, oh, my God, I'm such a terrible person. People don't like my stuff, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, no, you'll probably just get 5% refunds for the re- forever, right? And they're like, well, that doesn't happen to you, Denise. I'm like, yeah, it does. And seriously, on a like a half a million dollar launch, we just did a $750,000 launch, 5% of refunds, still going to happen. That's a lot of money. But it's the same as your first program when you get, you know, like one person refund. It's If you can't handle the one person unsubscribing but you say to the universe you want to build a big list those things are incongruent you know you have to be okay with the one so that you can grow and and you'll be untriggered by that you know it will still be the same statistic but you'll be untriggered by it and you will allow yourself to grow and experience that oh that's good i didn't really think about that like you can't be afraid of the unsubscribes if you want to be able to build your list that's very contradicting um, I'm writing that down. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for that insight. And I know that you've got to run, but I do want to make sure, because we didn't really get to talk about you winning the ultimate, it's called the ultimate job contest, right? Yeah, it had a few names, the ultimate job contest, the honeymoon testers. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it was an interesting competition. It was a blogger, sorry, a travel company who wanted a blogging couple to go and review honeymoon destinations around the world. And um, that was probably about, God, was it 2010? Yeah. And it was pretty crazy. But, you know, I'm really a big fan of the power of goal setting. And uh, just six months before, I'd set a goal to go traveling around the world. And I wanted to find a way to pay for it. I thought maybe I could speak or do something. I, I had no idea how it was going to happen. But I, from that, I believe so much in the power of goal setting and setting intentions and being really clear to the universe what you want. Because I had no idea how that was going to happen. Uh, I didn't. I had no idea it was going to come up about from winning a blogging competition to do that. Yeah, and for people who want to learn more about how you won that contest, where which book should they read? Because I just read your um, <clears throat> the Lucky Bitch one. That's the one I read. And yeah, there was tons yeah. of insight into that. Yeah, I talk about that mostly in Lucky Bitch, and um, I talk more about the money side in Get Rich Lucky Bitch. So. Um, and you know what, and I've, I'm actually coming out with a new edition of both because I've got some additional insights into that. And a lot of people come to me after reading Lucky Bitch and say, well, how do I win competitions? Or I've, you know, I've got this house that I want to win and I've seen it, you know, in a competition. How do I win it? And they get really disappointed if they don't win. And now my philosophy is, you know what, deal with your money blocks because one of the best ways to manifest something is to pay for it. <laughs> Mm. it's quick as well. it's so much quicker as well and people think that's cheating they're like no it has to come through like magic and it's like you know what you can pay for it as well <laughs> that's all right you're allowed mm. to pay for stuff with your own money but that was um i think that was a big shift that came for me after that competition because i finished doing this six months all our expenses paid staying in five-star hotels and then i was like oh i have no money yeah, that's interesting mm. Um, so I, that's, that was the big catalyst for me to really work on my money block because I was like, the universe will send me all this stuff for free, but I have no cash in my bank account. And I wanted to reverse that. I said, I'm a, I'm okay to give up winning stuff, uh, if I can earn some money and profit from my skills and talents. And, and that's, that's what happened. I made the shift from winning stuff to buying stuff. 
And mm. honestly, buying stuff is heaps more fun. Yeah, I get that. Now I, that makes a lot more, like, that's a lot more motivating, I would say. And the, that book I, I can see is more about, like, the law of attraction and how that can work. But there are the deeper issues with money. And since I have worked on my money blocks, I have wanted to pay for things way more than I ever have in my whole life. Like, even when I'm given... Uh, recently I went to a yoga class and the teacher arrived 15 minutes late and they were like, we'll give you this class for free. And he ended up staying 15 minutes later, maybe even 20 minutes later to just make up for it. And I was like, that was a great class. You, it was an acro yoga class. So it was really flexible. We could just kind of do what we wanted. And I was, I really appreciated it. So I was like, I want to pay for this class. Like I know it's free and that's so nice, but like I got a lot of value out of it and I want to trade value back. Um, so I'm really grateful that I received this, even if you were late, you stayed longer. So it feels right. And, and used to, back in the day, be like, oh my gosh, I got it for free. That's 20 more dollars that I don't have to give away. Like, yeah. <laughs> and there's no shame in getting excited when something's for free, of course. It's still great. But it was a unique shift in my mind to be able to see happen and say, whoa, that's never happened before. I've never been like, let me pay. And and that, that's never been a story. I would always try to get away with getting everything that I could for free. And it feels very, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> it feels very empowering to not fear having to pay the money and even wanting to and feeling confident and empowered whenever I put that money down for something I value. It's almost like it's almost a form. No, it's not almost. It is a form of self-love. I think saying I'm worth this. I I am worth spending this money. This is for me. And oh, it's, absolutely. Yeah. And it's so empowering. And I kind of was the same. And I actually used to write, um, if I had a negative restaurant res- experience, I used to write letters to try and get free meals mm. all the time, right? Because I was broke in my 20s. And of course, so what did I attract every time I had a meal? It was terrible. And I did get terrible service and I get terrible food because I was just living in that space. And yeah, it's really empowering when you can just get get beyond that, make friends with money, and oh be okay <laughs> paying for yeah. stuff and 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 receiving it as well. It goes hand in hand, you know. If you have that experience, well, then you also have to receive. If someone says no, I I actually want to pay you for that, um, and it's it's a lesson to learn. And for some of us, it's a practice, you mm-hmm. know, that we have to practice that. And I still have to practice at receiving, uh, and that's okay. Give yourself permission to practice it and to get better and sometimes make mistakes and uh, just practice it again the next day, like yoga, you know? Mm -hmm. It makes me laugh looking back now, but like your restaurant example, I used to, when I, so I used to be a fitness competitor and I was like a dieting obsession with fitness, all this. It was very disordered, very unhealthy. I had eating disorders, XYZ, all that stuff. But during that time when I would, like start a new diet and get all excited. I would go buy food from the grocery store and then I'd take it home. And then I would like be like, Oh no, I bought oranges instead of grapefruits. And instead of just leaving the oranges there and eating them, I was so like fearful of spending money on something that I shouldn't have spent money on and fearful of eating a food, not on my meal plan, which is like two different Mm. disorders in one. I would grab the three oranges and then take them back and return them and get grapefruits. Like stuff like as strict as that, even green beans, like healthy green vegetables, I'd be like, oh, but they're not asparagus. Ah. And so I would take it back, return it, get my get my 
what 19 cents back for something for banana. <laughs> yeah and then like i could not just eat the food and i could not just know that i spent money on like delicious beautiful food i had to make sure i had this right particular thing and i had to spend my money like on the exact food that i need it was very like i wouldn't mentally be doing, exhausting mentally exhausting too. so exhausting anything that i bought that i changed my mind on i would have to go so it's always returning things yeah and you know what i think the best thing about being rich and i can just say this i'm not expending mental energy on shit like that anymore and i used to have to do it so much and i see my mom still do it because my mom is so in, it's so ingrained in her that you know she'll go to the supermarket and she'll buy like one potato and <laughs> instead of buying like a bag or she'll like buy the cheapest tomatoes and i realize how much mental energy is expended and wasted in in being poor because you have to think about everything, you know, you have to think about where you're going to park and what you're going to do and what you're going to order and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I'm not saying like, I don't spend my money on crap. I don't just walk into a store and go, Oh, I'm going to buy diamonds. And, but like, I don't have to think about those little day to day things anymore. And that is the, the relief that you get from that is amazing, but also the creative energy that you can harness that you can then put into you can write a book and create amazing things in the world and you can help more people. So this, the planet isn't served by you expending all your mental energy on saving 19 cents, right? Um, so that's kind of why sometimes I think there is a moral imperative for women to embrace um, abundance because we can spend it in great ways. You know, if someone emails me and says, here's a cause, it's easy for me to give $1,000 to a cause. I don't have to think about it. Um, and it just, it frees up your space so much, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, it's great. So I think there's, that's the final message really is like, no one's yeah. being served by you staying obsessed about sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, embrace your wealth and you can enact a lot more change in the world, not just in your own, but in other people's as well. And what helped me a lot is to not wait to do those things until I felt financially comfortable i started to do those things and then i became financially comfortable so i stopped returning the food i stopped returning the things i started to stop searching to get things for free i started to pay for things that i appreciated or or i wanted um whenever i needed to get my oil change i wouldn't text my mom and be like "Uh, i need to get my oil change i don't have money i would just like (laughs) say i would just like go and do the grown-up thing go take my car and do it wouldn't even mention it to anyone. I would just do it. And now I'm not returning things and I'm getting, I'm paying for the mundane things that adults have to pay for. And I'm grateful for it. And it didn't, it, it's not because I first felt financially comfortable. It's because I first That's decided true. to do it. And then I eventually became very financially comfortable with it. Yes. That is so the key to anything. Same if you, if you're thinking, Oh, when I'm rich, I'm going to be a great giver great, go give $10 now, mm-hmm. you know, because when you're broke, $10 feels like a stretch. But when you're rich, still things, you know, like $1,000 or $10,000, you want to be making yourself stretch then too. But that's how you get to it. You, That's really the acting as if, right, sometimes. Right. It's, it's not buying the shit that makes you think that you'll be wealthy. It's acting in those little ways that um, – you know that you think oh well that's what i'll what i'll be one day and it's like well do it now 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love it. So we've gone over time. Thank you for staying with me. <laughs> okay. uh, there's just so much that we had to cover. And before I, I'm going to ask you just three quick fire questions. I have like a million, but I'm just going to ask you three. And before yep. we do that, can you let everyone know where they can connect with you online? Yes. So I'm at luckybitch.com and I've actually got a free manifesting course that will take you through kind of the five steps that I use to whenever I want to manifest anything where it was, you know, my, my house that I just bought recently or a new clients. So that one's at luckybitch.com slash formula. Wonderful. All right. Your three questions. Number one, if you had a movie about your life, who would you cast to play you? Oh, Kate Hudson. I love her like sunny California vibe. Mm, She's adorable. Do you follow her on Snapchat? Uh, no, I don't have Snapchat, but I, I follow her on Instagram sometimes. She's so cute on Snapchat. I don't even snap anymore because of Instagram, but I always go on there just to see what she's up to. Oh, that's um, funny. Besides your books, of course, what is a must-read book? Uh, the Millionaire Next Door series. It's a little dry because it's about statistics and stuff about millionaires, but they also have one, The Millionaire Women Next Door. And it's really interesting because it talks about how – the average millionaire is way more normal than you think and they drive a fairly normal car and they, um, you know, might live in a normal neighborhood. And it kind of gave me permission. I was like, Oh, I don't have to be like super fancy. Mm. (laughs) I don't have to drive a really fancy car and I can be wealthy. So it's, as I said, it is a little dry, but it was a kind of a game changer mindset wise for me before I read it. I was also spending a lot of my money. I wasn't giving my, I wasn't, um, making a lot of profit. Because I was like, oh, I can just spend it all on courses and conferences. Yay. And then I was like, oh, maybe I should like buy a house. Uh, <laughs> maybe I should have some savings in the bank. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a game changer for me. Good one. I like that. I'll have to check that out. Last question. What would you eat for breakfast? Oh, my God. Same thing I've eaten for the last six weeks. I'm um, on a, doing a weight loss. Oh, I'm changing my mindset around weight loss at the moment. And it's so many parallels to money. It's it's oh, yeah. un, almost unfunny. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I have porridge. I have oats, oatmeal for breakfast almost every single day. And, oh, so many parallels. I've got to write a book about weight and money. That would be a fantastic book. And if you want any perspectives on eating disorders and money, let me know. Because that is oh, something yeah. that I see so many parallels with as well. Just that uh, never enough restriction, like not good enough parallel with money. It's fascinating. That's, that would be a great book. So Denise, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Madeline. Well, thanks for having me and, uh, we'll do it again sometime. I'm sure it sounds like we've got a lot to talk about. (laughs) Absolutely. It's been such a pleasure. Everyone, if you want to get the show notes for this episode and you want to check out her links, uh, go to maddiemoon.com slash Denise dash Duffield dash Thomas episode 100. (laughs) 36. And while you're there, if you haven't yet downloaded your free course, how to powerfully live your one life, you can do that there. Thank you guys for listening. I would love to hear your thoughts on money blocks and what you've done to uncover some of those in your life and how you've been able to really cultivate the mindset towards money that you desire. Thanks guys. I'll see you guys next week. 